And good morning. Welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Anchor FM and Spotify and some of the other platforms we're broadcasting on here at Sunshine USA. It's a great joy to have you tuned in to the radio broadcast uh, today. I'm Warren Landis, your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. Well, um, I do want to mention a prayer request this morning before we get started with our Bible study. And the prayer request is that we remember those that have been affected by this great earthquake this week in Turkey and Syria. At last count, it appears uh, over 20,000 are known dead. The fear is that as they go through the rubble, they will find still more dead people and the death count will go up. And so there is really a staggering loss of life here, not to mention also a staggering loss of property. Those of you that have been watching news reports, you know that uh, when the earthquake hit, these buildings were just collapsing <laughs> like a pancake. And everybody's caught underneath. And miraculously, something like four days after the um, earthquake, they're still finding people and babies that are alive. And that's quite miraculous in and of itself, especially considering uh, sub-freezing temperatures at night. And there's also been a lot of flooding in the area. And yet people are still being found alive. Now some of these people being found alive have uh, the kind of injuries that it's going to take them a long time to recover from. And of course, uh, like I say, over 20,000 dead. So we've got to really pray for these people. The need is great. And pray for the first responders as they come from all over the world to render help and assistance to the countries of Turkey and Syria as they recover from this terrible, terrible earthquake. And uh, we as Christians, we too can help. We can help first of all by praying and then by participating in any relief programs out there designated for the victims of this earthquake in Turkey and in Syria. Let's go to the Lord right now in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we want to pray right now for the victims of this terrible earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Lord, I pray that you will be with the first responders as they do all they can to rescue anybody that's still alive that can be rescued. And Lord, we pray for bereaving families. Lord, we pray for the great loss of life and property there in Turkey and Syria. And Lord, we also pray for the spiritual condition, both in Turkey and Syria. It might be, Lord, that with these first responders coming in from all over the world, that a lot of these first responders will be Christians, and they can share Christ with these people and give them hope where seemingly there is no hope. Lord, be with me now as I teach your word. Give me the words to say that somebody needs to hear. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
<laughs> now, I have to tell you, this is uh, quite an interesting day. This is the third time I've tried to record this particular program today. It seems that the devil is really attacking this program in a big way because he knows that something is going to be said in the program today that somebody needs to hear. Something's going to be said on the program today that's going to change and turn around somebody's life. And the devil doesn't like that. And so the devil's going to do all he can to keep this broadcast from going out. But guess what? It's going out. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, I want us to look today at Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Luke chapter 12 verses 13 through 21. Now I want us to ask ourselves this very important question. Is it a sin to be wealthy? Is it a sin to be wealthy? Now, I just want to give you a short, simple answer right off, right off the top of my head here. And my answer is no, it's not a sin to be wealthy. We know that in the Bible there's many examples of those who were exceedingly wealthy. For example, we know Abraham. He was a man of considerable wealth. He was probably one of the richest people of his day. Then you think about people like Job. Job was one of the most prosperous people of his day before uh, Satan tried to take it all away. And then, of course, we know Solomon. Solomon was a man of tremendous wealth, had all kinds of money. So wealth, in my opinion, is not a sin. But we should recognize and realize that in the end, in the end, whatever we have, we can't take it with us. One of these days, you're going to die. And whatever you have, it's going to be left behind. Where probably all your friends and neighbors and family members will fight over it. Now I tell people, my, my family members are going to have it made. They're not going to have anything to fight over because you see, I'm a poor man. I don't have a lot. And there's not going to be a lot for them to fight over when my time comes. But I do know that some people, when they die, they're so wealthy. I tell you what, their friends, their neighbors, their families, their co-workers are going to be lining up at the courthouse to try to get whatever they can get. They say it's amazing how many family feuds there are following a funeral. But we know as Christians, we can't take anything with us. And the older I get, the more I realize and recognize the fact that it would be an act of futility for me to think for one moment that I can succeed in um, taking anything with me. As I've said many times in my sermons, I can tell you I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. It's not going to happen. 
You can't take a thing with you. You came into this world with nothing, and guess what? You're going to leave this world with nothing. Now look at Luke chapter 12, starting with verse 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he may divide the inheritance with me. Verse 14, And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not of the abundance of things which he possesses. So, here we have a man coming to Jesus, asking Jesus to settle a civil dispute for him. Now, this was actually a very common practice in the Old Testament. We know for a fact that a lot of times people would stand in line all day long for an opportunity to present their civil disputes to Moses. And they would wait and see how Moses would resolve their disputes for them. But Jesus makes it quite clear to this man that is not his role. That is not his purpose. Now, this brother referred to here is probably the older brother of the man making this request. Now, back in those days, if you were the eldest son, when your father died, you got the lion's share of the estate. That's not to say that the others didn't get anything. The younger siblings got something, but it was substantially less than the oldest sibling got. And so apparently here you have a younger sibling wanting a slice of the cake. But Jesus says, hey, that's not my purpose here. And then, of course, he makes the broader statement that your life does not consist of the wealth that you possess. You know, we've got it all wrong in our society today. We have this idea that at the end of life, whoever has the most toys wins. But you see, that's not a biblical concept. That's not something taught in the Bible. And then Jesus decides to use a parable, starting in verse 16. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This I will do. I will pull down my barns, and I will build greater. And there I will bestow all of my fruits and all of my goods. And I will say to my soul, Eat, uh, soul, thou hast much good laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, and whose shall all these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. So here we have a rich man, a man who is exceedingly wealthy, and obviously very prosperous, very productive, 
He's obviously in some type of agricultural business, and he's produced a bumper crop. And in fact, it's such a large bumper crop, he doesn't have room for all that he has produced. And from his perspective, this presents a very unique situation. What am I going to do? Then he says, ah, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down the barns that I have now. And I'm going to replace them with even bigger barns. And then he says, I'm going to tell my soul, soul, take it easy. You've now got wealth laid up for many years. Take that easy. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God lets this certain rich man know how foolish that statement is. He says, This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Now, you know, there are some Bible scholars who wonder if this could be the same rich man that we read about in Luke chapter 16. You know, where the rich man dies and he lifts up his eyes in hell, and of course Lazarus died, and he's carried away into Abraham's bosom. Could be, I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on that either way. But it could be. It's conceivable. But this is a parable talking about this man that has such a bumper crop that he felt like he simply had to build bigger barns to accommodate it all. Now, apparently it had never occurred to this guy that because he has so much, he might be in a position to share with those who have so little. Now, if he did more of that, then he wouldn't need bigger barns, and he would be putting to very good use all this extra that he was producing. No, he wants, it seems, he wants it all to himself. He has no desire or intent to share that wealth with anybody else. And then that's where Jesus reminds him, Thy fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Now, you know, it's very interesting. Death is something that takes all of us by surprise, usually. A lot of people die very suddenly, very unexpectedly. And of course, it's a very sad time for those left behind. Other times, death comes with a little bit more expectation. If a man's been in the hospital for a long time with a terminal illness, we know that his days are numbered. And unless God intervenes, it's not going to be long before that man passes away. I remember when my father died four years ago. In fact, it was uh, four years ago this month that my father died. And he was in relatively good shape for his age and considering the health issues that he had. He wasn't in bad shape up until about a week before he died. But about a week before he died, he ended up back in the hospital and most of that week, in fact, he was unconscious. In fact, um, at no point that week did I get to correspond with him personally. 
because he was unconscious. He actually, I think, regained consciousness only once. My brother and sister were there, and I was sick at the time, and I was not able to be in the hospital in person. And so my brother and sister put my dad on the speakerphone, and I could hear my dad talk a little bit on that particular day when he came out of conscious, unconsciousness for a brief period of time. But then he went back into unconsciousness, and to the best of my knowledge, he never regained consciousness. And at the end of the week, he died. And so, in a sense... His passing was not quite so unexpected because he had been in the hospital for a week. He had been unconscious most of that week. We also knew that at that point the doctors had done for him all that they could do for him. And so it was really just a matter of time. It was not any longer would he die, but when would he die? And he died on February 22nd, 2019, about 7.19 in the morning, as I recall. But death comes to all of us. And whatever we have in terms of possessions at the time we die, they won't go with us. In fact, it doesn't matter whether you're going to heaven or hell. You can't carry anything in this life with you. You can't. Like I say, your family and your loved ones might fight over what you have left. And that's why I'm glad I've solved a great problem for my family. I don't have much. What I am trying to do in my lifetime right now is to preserve as much of my ministry as I can so that I can keep on preaching and teaching even after I'm dead. I can imagine that I'll be preaching on the Internet, for example, for years, long after I'm dead and gone, if the Lord tarries. And that's the kind of legacy, ultimately, I want to leave behind. As I look into the future, I plan to devote more time For example, to writing books. Books that people will be reading for quite a number of years after I'm dead and gone. And gone on to heaven. So in a sense, I don't consider my earthly work done even when I die. Now, you know, it's interesting. That's the kind of thing that I can leave behind. And that is the work of my ministry. Well, even now, uh, one of the preachers I love listening to on the radio is Oliver B. Green, evangelist Oliver B. Green. He died back in the 1970s, and yet he is still preaching seven days a week on the radio, decades after his death. That's the kind of legacy I want to leave behind, a legacy of preaching the gospel and teaching the Bible. Now what about you? This is not about how much wealth you have or don't have. It's about your soul. If you died today, 
If you died today, where would you spend eternity? Would you spend eternity in that wonderful place the Bible calls heaven? Or would you spend eternity in that terrible, awful place that the Bible calls hell? Well, the good news is, if you're listening to this broadcast right now, you could be saved. You can assure yourself a home in heaven. And you can make that decision today. It doesn't cost money to get saved. You don't have to have smart. You don't have to be smart to be saved. You don't have to be in the right social class in order to be saved. You could be saved right here, right now. Simply ask God to come into your heart, forgive you of your sins, and he will. Christ is yours, free for the asking. Right now, I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you pray this prayer or a prayer similar to it, let me assure you, on the authority of God's word, you're going to be saved and you're going to have eternal life. Dear Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. Lord, I admit, even at my best, I'm a dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking sinner. Lord, I pray that you will come into my heart. Forgive me in my sin. Lord, I believe in you. Lord, I trust in you. And now, Lord, I thank you for saving me. And now that I'm saved, Lord, give me a desire to spend time every day in your word. And also, Lord, give me a desire to share with others what you have done for me just now. For it's all these things I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer just now or a prayer similar to, to it, let me assure you on the authority of God's word, that God has saved you, and I would love to hear from you. Seriously, I would love to hear from you, and I will send you some free material in the mail that will help you as you begin to grow as a Christian and as you begin to study the Word of God on your own. Now, of course, obviously, one of the things you can do is to keep on listening to this radio podcast right here. Because every day I'm on the internet preaching the gospel and teaching the Bible. It is the high point of my day. I enjoy doing what God has called me to do. Now if you'd like to correspond with me, for example, if you have a a prayer request or you have a question about today's message or a message that I preached some time ago. The best way to do that is to contact me by email. I have two email addresses. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com and the other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. All small letters, all lowercase. Very simple, very easy. And if you would like to contact me by snail mail, guess what? You can do that too. My snail mail address is warrenlandis. 80 Thruston Street, that's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. That's Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. Like I say, I would love to hear from you. And if you feel that of the Lord... 
to uh, send a few dollars to this ministry, that would be great. I don't spend a lot of time talking about the need for money on this program because I ultimately believe that God will supply the money that is needed for me to do the ministry that God has called me to do. Now because of that, I don't spend an awful lot of time on this radio broadcast asking people to give money. But if you feel led of the Lord to do so, then I welcome you to do that. And of course, I can assure you that the money will be put to good use. Um, I, for example, do not receive a salary for doing this program. I'm just uh, one of these preachers. I mean, I'm fortunate I have an income to live on apart from this ministry. So that anything that comes in, I'm able to simply use that money very conservatively for the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of God's word, the Bible. And by the way, I hope that you'll make it a point to share with others how they can tune in to this radio broadcast. I would love for you to do that. Uh, it could change their life. Well, until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you. And guess what? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.